Hey listeners, this is Talk With Me. This is Marsha Epstein. This is the dining room table, coffee and conversation and reading. And I'm excited because I don't get to do many shows with people who are actually in the room, which is most fun. Other times we just pretend that we're all together, although there's going to be an awesome one coming up um, that relates to an event. So I, I have to say this. So on Friday, October 12th, I'm going to be recording in the dining room with coffee. Yes, it's going to be coffee. We're going to need coffee that morning. Um, with Wolfgang Karstens and with Todd Cirillo and with Rob Plath, three amazing, powerful poets who are um, coming to Fountain Verse in Kansas City, which is this amazing three-day poetry event. Fountain Verse, KC Small Press Publishing. Ah, okay. Take it again. Casey's Small Press Poetry Fest. Um, it's this um, wonderful set, amazing people coming from all across the country, as well as Wolfgang coming from Canada, from Alberta. Um, all these cool things happen, readings, workshops related to poetry, publishing, hanging out, getting to meet people, trading books, buying books. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And because that's happening in Kansas City and Lawrence, Kansas, where I am, is very close to Kansas City, Wolf and Rob and Todd are going to be here in Lawrence. And on Thursday, October 11th at Lucia Beer Garden and Grill, they are featured in a reading I'm hosting that also includes two Lawrence treasures who don't do a lot of actual readings. That would be Barry Barnes and Macy Webb. So I'm super excited about that. There are a whole bunch of things I'm really excited about. That is just one of them. And I want to turn to my guest. This whole thing of talk with me, this whole thing started at a hard time. I won't go into the sob story. And three people, Jay Walks, Daniel Smith, Kim Murphy said, we need you in front of a mic. We need you to do this show. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And they're like, you're great doing interviews with us about your work. You're going to be fine. You'll learn to do it. And even though what they asked me to do isn't really what I do, what I do is I get these great times to talk with artists who create different kinds of art, sometimes many kinds of art. And we talk about the personal side of it as well. And this all started with an event after the podcast started, an event that we called Voice of Lawrence Poetry Slam. And that was in May of 2014. And my guest today was one of the people that I connected with at that time, part of Lawrence's Red Tail Collective of Poets. I'm really excited. Garrett Tufty, we've known each other. <laughs> Four plus years and lots of things have changed and growing and good things. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, it's thanks. Cool. It's been a long time since we've had a real conversation. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long while. Um, so what do you want people to know as a little bit about you before we start the whole conversation? Or would you like to be a man of mystery? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, I'd like them Let's see, what would I like them to know? Uh, <laughs> Whoops, not that. Oh, there are, yeah, I'm part partitioning things out here. Okay, here's the here's the acceptable things uh, people, <laughs> people know about me. Acceptable things, and then there's the wild cards. Um, 
I'll probably go into the wild cards as well at some point. It's but your then, nature. Yeah, yeah. Likely, it's already happening. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I've been here. I've been here on and off um, about uh, 12, 14 years, something like that. I uh, got a degree, creative writing in English at KU, and um, I've been uh, I've been doing performance poetry and artwork in general. Pretty, pretty wide array, yeah. a variety of different things uh, since about uh, 2011. Um, so it's good seven years or so uh-huh. that I've been uh, more or less on the scene, so to speak. Um, in that time, in the time since, um, I, uh, I was on the, uh, you mentioned uh, Jay Watts and the uh, Voice of Lawrence. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't know if people remember, but I was on that uh uh, station as well. You had a show, yeah. I had a show for a bit, and it was just a one hour of what I like to call um, extemporaneous verbal essays. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, basically uh, running with whatever thoughts were going on in my head, uh-huh. and uh, uh, starting with a roughly a thesis, and then going off on a thousand different tangents, and then coming to a conclusion. So if, if someone would dig through mixcloud.com backslash, backslash <laughs> Lawrence Hits, they would probably find some of those shows that you did, because that's where the old shows are. Is that right? They yeah. got them on there? Okay. Well, I think, so. I mean, if they were if they were uploaded, that's where they would be now. Okay. Because yeah. I have a few of them. Check. I have a few of them in uh, uh, just entity pre-port format just yeah, laying good around. For you. Good for you. But... Uh, um, but I know I did a lot more than that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a good, a good six to eight months or so at least, uh, yeah. ran for maybe even a year. Um, cool. but, uh, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Uh-huh. I like being on the, uh, the internet radios uh, yes. this, <laughs> like this. Uh, I think it's pretty great. Um, it gives us a voice. Yeah. You know, we can, it, one way or the other, we can get it out there. It doesn't require that much overhead, right. you know? And I don't know if you have people breathing down your neck about what you're allowed to say and what you're not. Not That's on the internet. No. <laughs> it's, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's empowering and it's uh, it's enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. And I like to hear the sound of my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's that. I mean, it's just, uh, it's win-win everywhere. Uh, <laughs> And one of the amazing things that you did for a while until they basically said, this isn't what we do here, piano playing at the Kansas State Capitol. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a fun story. Um, that was, uh, that started, when did I start doing that? I think it was 20, 2015, I think, I want to say. And um, I started by just going in there and I went into the Capitol just noticed there was a piano on one of the floors. And uh, I think I played a little bit before someone actually came up. I think I actually played twice before someone actually came up and said, hey, you know, you can't just play it whenever. You have to put in a, put in a request. And, and you know, then you say, wait, time. this is the people's house. I'm the people. It is my piano, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't quite gotten to that just yet. Um, but uh, it, got, it got close. Uh-huh. Uh, and I did actually, I was like, okay, let's go through the channels here. Let's go through the proper channels. Uh-huh. I was like, um, in, in my mind, with the uh, renegade lobbying that I was doing out there, it seemed like 
it seemed like the way to the way to pursue it in order to make inroads and connect with people, and at the same time, not uh, well, at the same time, uh, say some things that don't normally get said, uh, was to basically go in and kind of like um, uh, push until someone until there's a wall, uh-huh. you know. And so that's what I did with the piano playing. That's what I did with the other things. And then when there's a wall thrown up, I'll say, "All right, well, what's the what's the proper channel in order to uh, move further?" And so in that case, I did. I put in for the um, for the events, and I played uh, every Friday for an hour uh, around noon uh, for uh, the first was it 20, 2015 and twenty sixteen, and then twenty sixteen started going. And I started getting into more lobbying as opposed to just piano playing. Uh-huh. And I ended up giving a speech outside the uh, outside the grounds of the Capitol. And um, I spoke in a few other minutes. I interrupted a session or two of, uh, of the State Congress. Yay. And, and it was shortly after that that they, they canceled my piano playing. Um, and by now, I'm... Uh, I, applied again back in 2017, beginning of 2017, that uh, uh, the session then, and I'm officially banned. Oh my God. <laughs> officially banned from uh, from playing piano at the Capitol. Um, I haven't pushed for that so much, like like you were saying, going in there and just playing on the thing, like, this is the people's piano. How dare you try to take it? <laughs> uh, I'm holding that. I've been known, I'm holding, I'm holding I've been that known to pocket. bail people out of jail. Just say it. Is that right? <laughs> my funds are limited, but still. <laughs> okay. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. You're right there on the uh, <laughs> first call list. Marsha, bust me out of the clink here. <laughs> and when needed, I keep secrets about that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think well, you're you doing ar- good work. I gotta say, <laughs> <laughs> if you got arrested for playing the piano in the state capitol, I think people need to know that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they would need to know that. They would need to know that. Although uh, uh, last time I uh, <laughs> asked my girlfriend about that, hey, if there's any, if there's anything to be arrested for, uh, and, and you gotta have one thing. Uh, how about how about that playing playing piano on the capital? And she's like, no, there's no reason to be arrested. And I'm like, well, that's no fun. Oh, <laughs> this, this is good. Why not? Why yeah. not? It's a, it's an act of uh, civil disobedience yes. and a proper rebellion that yes. we do need these days. Yes, we did. So uh, I would I would honestly encourage others to go do that. Yeah. But uh, I'm holding I'm holding that card in my pocket. Yeah. Until it's a uh, so it's absolutely necessary, yeah. which uh, it seems like every day it almost is. I but, know. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So piano, poetry, writing plays, drawing, sculpting. What am I leaving now? Um, uh, inventions. I make some inventions. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, the piano playing. Uh, oh, I already said that. Um, let's see, what else? You write in other genres in addition to plays and poems and things, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I've written a few screenplays, a television pilot. Um, I write essays on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have one that's been sitting. It's it's a 
and it's about 10 pages or so. It's political essays. Generally, that's where, where my mind goes most of the time is, uh, is the politics. Mm -hmm. so, uh, a, lot of, a lot of artists and writers, as, as you know, are introspective individuals and uh, looking into themselves and then you know, trying to parse out uh, what it is that's really going on and in their, in their uh, minds, bodies, and souls and then put it down on paper one way or the other or, or create some sort of amalgam that, uh, that expresses this uh, un generally unexpressible inner world into the, into the outer world. And uh, that alone, uh, just the pure act of doing that is often enough uh, a form of therapy besides as well um, uh, saying essentially what, what needs to be said, at least yeah. for the person who's saying well, and the thing about that, that that kind of statement that you just made about the power to you personally of your art, that's what moved me from the way Talk With Me show started to focusing on artists and saying that it's at the intersection of art and mental health. Because I had so many people and, and just, just like Brian O'Brien was one, but one of many who said, this is what saved my life. Writing, yeah. you know, it wasn't going to a therapist after my mom died and taking meds. It was writing. It is writing. It is writing and performing. You know, mm -hmm. and the next part of that being people who experience the art going, they're saying stuff that's in my head, and it's so great to know I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, and and that connection thing that happened. I that to me is one of the many reasons that art is important. I mean, sometimes it's important because it's entertaining and we need a break, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very true. Sometimes we need that beauty or we need that laughter, or whatever that we experience watching a dance or whatever the thing is, whatever kind of it is. But, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's that, you know, there's dark stuff inside and, and I feel ashamed and I must be the only one and then somebody has it blasted from the stage, you know? Mm -hmm. Or maybe somebody in the audience hears something that helps them open up their mind to look at it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's super important. At the last word, Save Lives, I don't know, I don't think you were probably in the room when Darian Case was performing. Um, Darian is a poet from the Kansas City Poetry oh, yeah. Slam. Yeah. Really powerful. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and he, he performed his poem, um, a boy called Bullet that relates to police and what it's like as a young African-American man to be stopped by police with that officer holding hand on gun and not knowing if one's life is going to be over in any second. And, yeah. Um, it gives me chills just as I'm saying that. Um, and sometimes people who didn't want to hear that need to hear that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. This is real life for African Americans. I remember a friend of mine recently said on her daughter's six her daughter is African American. Um, my friend is is white, um, and she she gave her daughter for her sixteenth birthday this particular jean jacket that the daughter had really been longing for, and the hat the jean jacket happened to have some pocket that's on the inside side of the jacket. And Amy had said, you know, you can, that might be a good place for your phone because you're not so likely to, to lose it. And she said her daughter looked at her and said, 
you know what happens to African-American kids who put their hands inside the tent. Mm. I'm not going to do that, Mom. It's like, oh, my God. And she's right. You know? Yeah. That's not a safe thing. Yeah. And and so, again, I think art. things are. Yeah, but art, art is a way that sometimes we pay attention, that we want, want to hear it, but it snuck up on us, and then we can't let that go. It's like, that is what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. So different kinds of, of messages and different things. I remember the poem, a poem that you wrote for the first Word Save Lives in 2014, and it was really interesting. It's it's a poem I give as an example of how different ways of reading something, the different tone of voice and, and emphasis, the way that, that somebody might read something on the page, may or may not be just like what the writer was was creating. And this particular poem, I, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's a poem that, that is kind of the story of having a friend who's suicidal. Um, uh-huh. and, and you gave it to me in writing before I'd heard you read it. And I even read part of it on air as uh, explaining about the Word Save Lives about coming up in 2014. And I read it with a certain way and then I heard you read it, and it was a whole different thing. Because <laughs> for me, it was in this in this tone of, of compassion for this person who's struggling, and and so I read it with a lot of gentleness. And you presented a very real, true, and different side of what it might like be, might it, what it might be for that friend with anger. That oh. you're putting me through this, that you're doing this shit again, and that you need to get it together, which is very real for people, you know, families, friends, and people who are struggling. Sometimes it gets to be too much, and they don't know what to do, and sometimes anger is part of it. And so it's a beautiful thing to say it can be okay to have this reaction too, because it's real. You know? mm-hmm. But it was, but it was, it was, it was like, wow, it, we're reading the exact same words, <laughs> but they sound totally different, and yeah. you know, there it goes. Yeah, completely different interpretations yeah. that can happen lots of times. Yeah. Uh, with poetry. Yeah. And one of the one of the things I like to do with, uh, with my writing is, um, uh, and I notice in others as well, is that uh, uh, lay down the words and you arrange it in such a manner that it can be read in multiple ways, uh-huh. um, that there are multiple meanings involved here. Uh, there's an emotional factor that comes in that, uh, to me, uh, really kind of requires a reader or a speaker uh, in order to in order to affect that. Yeah. Um, uh, on its own, the words can provide concepts and, and bring to mind emotions, but uh, uh, it really, it takes the, it takes the observer to um, to really affect those, mm-hmm. to make them real, to mm-hmm. make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I was talking about uh, uh, that inner world, right, um, and the introspective nature of a lot of a lot of artists and poets, uh, one of the things I've noticed over over the years, and this this gets back to a sense of to a sense of politics and just general the social world that we live in these days, is that uh, I notice a lot of notice a lot of people. This goes out to that suicidal friend. Um, who was uh, 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 subject to that uh, that poem? And I'm trying to figure out which one is it. Was it the Johnny Rises? Is it the one? Is the pep talk one? Um, or was it the? Uh, it might be, might perhaps be the um, 
kamikaze versus logical kamikaze. I think it, it I think probably is the, the John. Well, actually, I think it's probably the Johnny one. I wonder if I have. Okay. Because I do, um, I do have it right here. Oh yeah. Read it. Oh sure. I don't. If I, I don't want to move because if I move the mic, oh, I yeah. screw it up. No problem. You know how to scroll down a. Yeah. yeah. I assume the arrow keys work. When you get on. No, it's one of the things that really kills me about an iPad. There are no arrow keys. It's called Johnny Rises. I know what's got you down, Johnny. It ain't recent I see a kid like you take it this far. And I know what you've been doing, slugging it out for peanuts in an early grade. This world is hard. Ain't no denying that. If it was only for the hell. You know, I seen you dragging that rope, that sled on your back, against the wind, uphill through the driving hail, six feet of snow and naked as a babe. End of the day, you can barely stand your own feet the weight of the thing you got on you, even if there comes an end. All the while, you got that rabble loitering around and gawking at you, saying all kinds of vile crap, how you're no good, no count, ungrateful loser. They's pissed at you, and they's pissed at the world. Most of all, they's pissed at themselves. For huddling around in their warm coats and umbrellas, calling themselves your better, and hating you for proving them wrong. And this ain't no cakewalk, Johnny. It ain't gonna quit anytime soon. It's never gonna quit. You picked up that mantle and you're running with a kid. You understand me? You like hearing that shit. Look what you're doing. I ain't ever gonna quit till you get the. T you ain't. It ain't ever gonna quit till you get to the top of that mountain and you can't hear him no more. I don't know what you're thinking. You're thinking there ain't no use in satisfying what can't be satisfied. There ain't no winning in a vacuum. That the struggle you're doing can't be for your lonesome because you're gonna die and take nothing with you. But I'll tell you, Johnny, there's more than them rabble out there. There's other ones keeping peace for fear of them loud mouths. There's plenty of them out there you're fighting for, and if they ain't now, they'll be in your wake, running up through the path you cut. Even if they ain't out there long ahead, and they ain't here now because you can't hear them, there's still one willing to speak for you. You can count on me for that till I hit the bricks. Don't you understand, kid? You got it in you. And you know what you're fighting for. And even if there's only one other tired soul, you still got more heart than all gawkers put together. Because, Johnny, listen to me now. This world matters. And if you got to take it on faith, take it on faith. And if you can't do that, if you need to know for yourself, as I've gauged by your efforts, trust me, kid, you keep your head up, your eyes straight, maybe if you stagger by a step a year, you're going to reach that mountaintop. And when you get there, and you look down at all that preceded you, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Because you'll have done it. And you won't need faith no more. That's beautiful. Oh, thanks. So... Now that's that. Uh, that's that pep talk. Yeah. Right there. Um, but uh, one of the things that um, uh, that I've noticed especially is a lot of that the uh, introspective nature that we have can be uh, can be altered by the external world. You know, in our society these days. Thing is, it's it's gotten to the point where it's it seems to me so so warped and twisted at the highest level systemically. You know, you look at something like racial injustice, which has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's uh, ingrained in our country's history. And um, like that, and it, that's just one example of a thousand other things that are still perpetuating. And I mean, you look at a president these days, and he's. I'd rather not. Thank you, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, think think of the uh, think of the idea as opposed to the actual person. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wouldn't necessarily recommend that, but uh, he's a symptom of what's uh, yeah. of what the, the greater issue is. 
uh, at hand. Barack Obama and, said that. I love that. He oh, he said symptom. that. Yeah, did he? he did. He, oh, did. Okay. he did. Yeah. There you go. Very recently. Yeah. Well, um, well, that's the thing. He's he, uh, <laughs> he enshrines uh, a lot of the a lot of um, what our country uh, attempts to call virtue, um, but it's not at all. It's it's so backwards and strange, yeah. and it's it's been warped and twisted by. I think it goes it goes back to um, uh, there's so many reasons for these sorts of things, but uh, there is a prevailing systemic. Um, systemic deception that is constantly being uh, propagated upon the people of our country. Mm -hmm. And you really can't escape it. You're born here and you're a citizen here. You really can't, you can't escape it. You know, either that or you get thrown in jail or um, get to, if you're a kid, yeah, you yeah. get killed or yeah. get thrown into a juvenile detention or yeah. anything else. Yeah. And so the choice is either to just uh, uh, either take it in and accept it uh, and try to be happy go to the even though there's some strange feelings inside you can't really that are vague uh, you go to the doctor and ask about it and they give you meds and uh, obviously we have this pharm pharmaceutical uh, opiate crisis and yeah. people just yeah. uh, and I can't really can't blame them for that because if you accept it can't and try who? to be happy the people People who have abused the drugs, who, who have abused the drugs, died. trouble, yeah. Yeah, died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, but we can uh, blame the pharmaceutical industry mm -hmm. to push those drugs. Yes, yeah. I want to. That's a systemic factor. I I want to make sure we talk about your writing these days, since you have a new book. Right, and now, I don't know how that. that fits with what if that reflects the things you're talking about right now. But I want to make sure we don't miss that. So, what's up? New book. I'm gonna have you, of course, read something from it. Tell yeah, us a little yeah. bit about it too. Um, it's called the Fire and Lightning, and uh, it's uh, the first. And and as you say that, the fire and lightning, as opposed to the fire and lightning. Uh, it's it's kind of both. Yeah. Right, but I'm just saying the words written on <laughs> enlightening, the page. Yeah. as in uh, the enlightenment. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, so I love that. I love the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that's what I was saying about uh, having something that um, that immediately reads two different ways. Yeah, it's a it's a perspective just just putting words together, um, and this is this is uh, the first half of it is performance poetry. So the poetry I've been reading on stage for all these years, um, I took some of the best ones, the ones that relate together, and uh, there are nine of them, uh, and. The second half of it, you can call it the half. Most of the book is taken up by the taken up by the play, uh, but it is a modern Shakespearean comedy called "The Sum of All Parts." Uh, it features seven characters, a um, couple romantic subplots, a hero, villain, dance, a um, bunch of crazy things happening in a riotous party, essentially. And uh, uh, yeah. It's uh, this took um, the story of the play originally started when I was in college. So technically, this book has been in the works for uh, 12 years. And uh, the poetry is collected over the last six. So it's been some while I've been working on this. Uh -huh. uh, and I'm quite happy to have it finished uh -huh. and uh, put it out there in the world. Yeah. 
So how would people find this book to um, buy it? Because right. I'm a big fan of buy the book. Uh, well, it's not in stores just yet. Uh -huh. I'm uh, waiting for one more uh, edit and print uh -huh. of them before I, before I put out in stores. But uh, uh, it will be at uh, it will be at the Raven. Uh -huh. I have it there locally, and then anytime I'm at a show um, or at that uh, on my website at uh, toughdeesvariations.com, anybody can go there and uh, order a copy. Mm -hmm. Now, whether it's from me or you go to Amazon and they have the. Go to Raven Bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> or go to Raven, honestly. That's, that's the I mean, place to go. Yeah, the thing is, is I love this. I love. I was at Raven one day, and I heard Danny Kane, who's a poet, and the, as I say, the caretaker of Raven Bookstore these days. Um, I heard Danny explaining to a customer that, yes, that customer could order the same book through Amazon. And the difference is that if they order it through Raven, Raven gets the money. <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue with that. You can't. And the extension of that, my friends, is when you buy from your local bookstore, the independent bookseller in your area, in all likelihood, aren't they the ones hosting readings, supporting local arts? They are. They're they doing are good work. They are doing this great stuff. I know Raven Bookstore does amazing things. I know Ellen Plum store. There are these little bookstores around Kansas. There are little bookstores and bigger independent bookstores in lots of places. They do amazing, wonderful things to support the arts. So it is our job to do this thing of spending some money there as yes. opposed to some big online retailer. Come yes. on. Yes. Okay. Yes. Also, considering uh, the bookstores, uh, this is also put out by Spartan Press. Awesome! Uh, so it, it's right out of... Uh, Shout out right to uh, big old Jason Reber. Yes, yes. She is bookstore. Uh, the editing on this uh, as well. And you can also get it there. So it, uh, oh, yeah. Prospero's Bookstore in Kansas City, which happens to be one of the places you will find poets of fountain verse on the weekend of October 12th before. <laughs> just saying. It's true. As an it's example of big time um, hub, yeah. So a, the amazing things that independent bookstores do, man. Mm -hmm. Prosperos is a great example of that. Jason Reberg, yes, yes, yes. Anyway, yeah, they do. So there you go. So that's who's putting it out. Spartan Press, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Truly did a lot of great cool. work on this, and uh, yeah, quite happy. Yeah. Quite happy with right. it. And little side shout out to Jeanette Powers, who's part of the Warrior Femme Brigade who will be in Lawrence, Kansas at Raven Bookstore on Sunday, Sunday, the 23rd at 7 p.m. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as I'm mentioning that, I want to say what I'm doing before that, which is at Liberty Hall at 4 p.m. on Sunday, the 23rd. The documentaries that are being aired include Transformations, the documentary, which is a documentary based on Brandon Eisman's annual transformation event that raises awareness of local nonprofits, raises money for them, and does it through drag performances with a new set of contestants each year. Um, mm -hmm. So cool stuff that happens yeah. in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, and again, shout out to Jeanette Powers, as well as Brandon Eisman, the documentary coming out, and Raven Bookstore, good stuff. Lawrence Art Center for doing the Lawrence Free State Film Festival here. Mm -hmm. Lots of good stuff going on. Indeed. Ah, cool. Also, uh, 
Shout out to uh, Lord's Creates. Yeah. Uh, for uh, hosting uh, Word Save Lives. Lord's Creates Makerspace was an amazing space for this year's September 10th World Suicide Prevention Day art event, Word Save Lives. Eric Kirkendall said, yeah, we want to do this. And Stephen Smith, who's one of the people involved with Makerspace, who, as we said, we've connected at different points through almost our whole lives. He did the sound, and he also did this beautiful performance piece, ukulele and story. That was, that was, that was so powerful. touching. Yeah. All kinds of good things happened, and that thing will happen on September 10th next year, always on World Suicide Comics, storytellers, musicians. We had a circus performer, <laughs> Sika from The Last Carnival. Always good things. Lots and lots of good things. So back to the bookstore piece. Support your book, local bookstore because they have things happen. And if you have a makerspace in your area, check it out because it's amazing. Art community making it easy for people to have access to space that they probably can't afford to rent and settings. Access mm -hmm. to other artists. That's the energy of being around other creatives. Um, wonderful stuff. Yeah. The community out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. I encourage anybody to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, I helped found the place uh, some while back. Uh, it was 2013, 2014, 2012. I don't know. It's been, it's been a few years now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, quite excellent. The yeah. idea behind it is great. Yeah. And, uh, I encourage anyone else to make it happen. happen too. You can create a, um, you can create real communities. Yes. You know, Anywhere you are, yes. You, know, you just go talk to your neighbors. What are they looking to do? What yeah. To do? Yeah. Um, it, one of the things about Lawrence that's so amazing is the is the uh, total prevalence of artists who are interested yeah. in uh, writing and uh, making and creating. Yeah. All of this, and to see it happen is pretty wonderful because it even it goes through and pushes through the barriers that often uh, yes. prevent. Uh, it doesn't. They don't always prevent that they um, uh, discourage mm -hmm. such action mm -hmm. uh, in a monetized society like we have mm -hmm. uh, that generally ask you know the, the tendencies to encourage whatever it is that you want go to a big box store and buy it right. as opposed to actually making it yourself right um, Lawrence is mourning yeah. the loss of Ernst hardware right downtown this yeah. historic hardware store. Um, and sadly, after the death of the patriarch of the family, the other family members said it, it, they hoped to find somebody who would take on the business. They didn't. Uh, the next use of the space is not clear, but that's a that's huge a loss. Sell. It's a huge loss because it was literally memories, physical, tangible things from different parts, different decades of the whatever, 170 or whatever years that Lawrence has been around, you know, mm -hmm. as an old house owner, it was, you know, like you could go and find that, that piece of hardware that the ancient door hinge or whatever needed, or had it because they'd had it since the 1880s, you know, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't there yeah. in 1880, but close. <laughs> yeah, they did, they uh, a stalwart pillar. Yeah, man. Shame to see go. Yeah. I can't imagine what they're going to do with the that giant. giant I mean, there's an entire wall that's just 
Well, uh, cubbies. Metal, <laughs> metal cabinet. Yeah. One, one part of the wall, the entire building is just one giant metal cabinet. Yeah. Are they going to remove that? Who knows? Maybe. It'll, it'll become some hipster joint of some kind or the other, so hopefully they'll honor that. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you even put in there? It looks like a filing system for the Library of Congress, maybe. A giant library of a bunch of cards of some sort. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe keys to every house in town. And you need a ladder, right? Like, for people who haven't ever been yeah. here or are in Lawrence, Kansas, like a, a high ceiling whole wall of these little things. Yeah. So so that's part of the deal. You can't just, just grab something out of there. You've got to have this giant ladder. So we we kind of wandered away from your book. I want oh, yeah. you to read something from this book that you're yes. so happy to have um, into the world. Yeah, I'd love to. And by the way, whose art is on the front? Uh, that is mine. All right. I did the, Shout, uh, out. Uh, Shout out to the artist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they greatly appreciate it. <laughs> And this is the uh, some wall parts bit. This is the uh, fire and lightning nice. bit there. Let me um, see the light of the book. Is it? A, no, basically, a yin and yang symbol. So it could be, it could be, you might want to print it. You know, fire on one side, lightning. Like two directions. That's yeah. Actually, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, that was um, that was kind of the plan to begin with. Yeah. Uh, in which case, you'd have you have on one friends. side, yeah. flip it over, and yeah. that one. Yeah. Well. Uh, we ended up running into once once I got the proof of uh, the uh, forward facing on the one and the reverse on the other, and I looked at it and just uh, saw how it looked from each side and actually held it in my hands and all that. It was just it didn't it didn't make any sense. Uh, it so didn't, so <laughs> just, it, it wasn't it wasn't quite worth <laughs> I guess I guess doing. Um, okay. It was a is a it was a thing that kind of makes it, it makes sense because it's essentially two books. Yeah. It, it really is. Um, they're connected in, in other ways. Yeah. But uh, um, but it just it's it looks much better. I, okay. I think. Okay. And it's and it's. And you've got you've got advisors. You've got to know. Okay. So, so yeah. what are you going to read for us? Oh, um, let's see. Well, we have a uh, have a number of, number of poems here. Now, one of them. One of them I always like to read is a um, is a kind of very rhymy sort of poem that uh, speaks to uh, some of the topics we were just discussing. And, uh, I may have read this on a previous show that we did. Maybe that's okay. Is that is that okay? That is that's okay. okay. <laughs> um, that's a, and at that, I'm sure you've heard this before, and uh, a few of the others. Hence, why it's a um, you know compilation of of my uh, of my previous work that I've you know spoke on stage. And things. Um, it's just that uh, if there are listeners out there who've heard me read before, they're going to hear it again. Sorry, guys. No, it's all good. But... It's never. The same. It's a different time. You know, even just, I don't want to divert too much, but even the way you read Johnny Rising is different than the way my mind remembers you reading it the first time. I've heard Annette Billings read her poem, Peaches, over the years, and it's gotten more and more and more beautiful. <laughs> Seriously. That one. Yeah. And, of course, I can't think of the Peach poem without thinking of our dear friend, Jessica. 
Back to you. Okay, so this is called Pit Stop on the Way to the Grand Canyon. For what be the reasons that there be only one season? Single lesson continues on with little concern for the daily rights, nor wrong. This is a journey stuck in mid-session, short of the Grand Canyon. A family on their way to this destination had parked their car at a gas station. There's a little diner and a jukebox. There's a pretty waitress working around the clock. Family had been there so long they'd already gone through four waitresses strong. Won't it be incredible, said little Susie to her brother Everly. Everly didn't look away from his ever-present distracting gameplay. I know it will be, because it already is, and before it's ever rotten, we'll long be dead and forgotten. Father Henry chimed in at the first word of nihilistic sin. There's no beating nature's inevitabilities, and bemoaning a lack of capability only instigates your own calamity. Everly never responded easily, for his mind remained in fantasy. Infinite reality was ignored for fictional wandering of limited scope, but immediate reward. Little Susie tried again vainly, this time with her mother Maggie. Wouldn't it be lovely, Mommy, to see such majesty? Her mother was taken aback by the attempt at her comment. Her gaze had been flitting between the eyes of each visitor upon sitting. A protective mood arranged her thoughts, never betrayed to any crafty lots. Oh yes, but only if you wear that blouse up higher. I am a keen scryer. There is no escape from the briars of the liar. Were he to see your chest bent down, I fear the terrible scream you would sound. Stay close and be satisfied. Curiosity and ambition are undignified. And besides, who can stand all those crying eyes? The little Susie craned her neck and scanned the section to her left. They gambled and cursed and shared stories in verse. Whole groups joined in the chorus, and with it there was much ruckus. Scared true, they've been here longer than us, said Henry, keeping an eye on his daughter's curiosity. Susie leaned closer and whispered softly, What a motley bunch. They must have seen the canyon before getting lunch. It can only make sense to have such confidence. Susie and Henry puzzled over the colorful lot, discerning two prominent figures and spots. One had golden hair, a prominent crown, a strong upper body, but was always sitting down. He carried a scepter of incredible gold, marble, and luster, sculpted from the finest material over a thousand years with a touch of the spiritual. He moved ever so slowly and only spoke to his admirers disinterestedly. One other rose above the rank, deftly maneuvering swift, never to sink, bounding to and fro with such speed more than this one could not read. So quick he moved to be without shape, even the best could hardly catch his weight. As soon as one spied his foremost hide, another joker appeared, lived, laughed, loved, and died. He lifted the glasses of his admirers, stroked their beards, and diluted their vernaculars. None knew of his presence about, only those who could live without. And so they stared intently upon these creatures about the gun, giving each the proper respect to know that, at least, they inspired the rest. For little was known of the canyon as yet, but from the action of these two gents. <clears throat> I believe it wise here, within this tale, to tell another, erstwhile the first shall fail. Another gentleman within the diner heard tell the two characters over the fire. Much lauded were their adventures, so much that he ventured, out upon the blistering sands past rocking horse lizard and man, find the abode from which they spoke and know their characters firsthand. He was ever active, yet scholarly, born with equal affinity of mind, spirit, and body. The seeming immortal war of the two bands was beyond the scope of any man, but he reasoned much justice still, with what little he could understand. So he journeyed onward toward this abode, when by accident alone along the canyon itself he strode. But too distracted was he for such infinity, he placed a higher value upon divinity. The battle of the characters he must seek. For how else could he instruct the meek? So while Maggie was busy protecting the family, and Everly was invested in another egotistical fantasy, and Henry pondered the devilish character's persuasive ingenuity, little Susie could feel the pressure building steadily. She wanted to know ever so much, and the pain of waiting was becoming a crush. 
Whatever could she do if not a one of the family would take her to view? The canyon was just over the hill, but this her pleading could not fulfill. She waved down her waitress, that wondrous woman coming with gifts, and asked for just a pinch. When she returned with some paper, little Susie was a ready creator. This time, with her favorite brown crayon, little Susie would draw the Grand Canyon. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's a, that's a fun little piece. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite honestly unlike any of the other poems well, yes. <laughs> in the collection. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of an outlier amongst the, um, what I'd normally write about. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, uh, and the lyricality yeah. of it is totally different than other things. That it is. Yeah. 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 So it's very, it's very different, but uh, nonetheless, I, I, I think it's poetry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it reminds me of, I was, did a show with a woman named Rena Espayat, who's a woman from the Dominican Republic who's been in the States for a long time and amazing poet and mentor of several generations of poets at this point because she's on, on the, the big number side of aging. Um, anyway, she, she talked about being at a reading and reading some things in Spanish and reading some things in English. And a woman commented on how beautiful this Spanish poem was. And Rena asked her, so how, how did you learn Spanish? What, you know, how was the you know, Spanish? And one said, oh, I don't speak any Spanish, but it was so beautiful to hear you read. Oh, yeah. And I reacted to that. Yeah. And there's, there's a different sound to this poem than other things I've heard you read. It's fun. And it's kind of Dr. Seuss-ish in the ways, you know. And, and it's delightful, even if, you know, if one doesn't follow the whole story. But hearing that, that you read it, I, I got caught up in your voice and, and that stuff more than the words at different times. Well, well um, that's one of the great things about poetry is that uh, you don't have to exactly understand it in order yeah. to receive, you know, something. Yeah. Something interesting from it. Subliminal message by the book. <laughs> yes. Yes, by the book. By the book. You'll be so. you'll be supporting an artist, you'll be supporting a, an amazing small press. I mean, and when you buy it from the indie indie bookstores, whether it's Prospero's or Raven, you know, then you're supporting independent booksellers as well. Yeah. All these yeah. wonderful reasons. <laughs> yeah, and you keep, uh, keep spend your money locally. Yeah. That's the that's the way to go. It's how you yeah. build uh, and work um, continued uh, uh, small businesses and small communities thriving. Yeah. Like we have here. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, <laughs> that reminds me that um, a lot of poetry is essentially can essentially be music. It's like uh, what they call um, non-programmed non music. There's a specific word they have for it. Sometimes they describe a lot of what Bach did as this, uh, this, this form of music that is, it's not meant to, it's not meant to signify anything. It's not meant as a word that points to something. It's not meant as music that's supposed to ex express a particular emotion. But it is, uh, it is for its own sake, and essentially that's it. Like uh, um, they say, Bach's Toccata and Fugue is that in D minor, um, and it's essentially just it's the music for the sake of itself. And uh, in that case, when you hear something like that, and it's intended, you know, it's intended to be so, whether it's intended to be or not, whether it's music or poetry or any, or any other art form. Um, if there's a, uh, you don't need to understand it 
in order to in order to gain something from it. Um, there are there are certain symbols, certainly in written poetry and the way we speak, that uh, uh, when I say when I say a word, I say uh, uh, splendiferous or something. You know that that uh, anybody who hears that thinks a particular thing. Uh-huh. You know, um, or say something like okay, table or or door. All of a sudden, there's a door or a table in your mind. Um, but you say uh, something nonsensical, and uh, what appears, uh-huh. you know, what appears with the nonsense? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Uh What popped in your mind when I when I said that, Marsha? Was there anything there, or was it just? Uh... It just makes me laugh. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's a very good thing in my world. Say it. Yeah. Well, that's even more direct um, access to. To imparting uh, a, an emotional um, and uh, what what you could uh, look at as meaning, um, uh-huh. or as uh, some real some real communication that doesn't require a symbol that we all collectively understand uh-huh. and puts a particular image inside one's head. Um, it doesn't need to be a particular image; just be is. Yeah. Oh. I'm I'm feeling drawn to talking about the people that you became part of this Red Tail Collective. Sort of a historical shout out. Ah. What would you what, what would you like to say about that? Um, I'd like to say that I should say that uh, I was a uh, group that we had uh, at uh, Red Tail Collective was. Uh, a very tight group of poets mm-hmm. and we had our we had shows twice a week for a couple of years and then once a month for about a year after that um until uh until uh jessica got, got sick and then um it kind of we, we kind of parted ways uh after she passed for the most part not necessarily parted ways entirely but um uh it's been it's been difficult uh to bring everybody back together after that it was Quite devastating loss, um, but uh, uh, amongst the uh, Megan McHenry, uh, Christopher Anakin, um, Macy was part of it, uh, Dustin Baxter, um, and David uh, Douglas in the early David days. David Douglas, yes, was there as well. Matt Asbury was there for, for some Anna of it. Not the early days. Anna Mitchner, yes. Yeah. Anna, yeah, she was. She was a big part, um, and that I'm was uh, somebody. So that's like a, yeah. Sorry, Erica for those Hunter. Erica Hunter, yes. Stalwart. And you know and what happened was, to a bunch of those people? They had babies. Yeah, they all had kids. <laughs> yeah, this is they, they all had kids. Erica Topper, new babies in their life for the yep. past couple of years. Yeah, they all they all had babies, and uh, and, and somebody's so gonna them. have one. Do you know this? Uh, Megan no. and no. are going to welcome oh my a new God, baby official? into the world in November. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I heard a rumor. <laughs> it's true. I was like, no way. It's what? true. What? Yes. That's crazy. Yes. Uh, it's beautiful. Yes. yes I'm yes, happy yes, for her. That's yes. wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. She's, uh, she's, quite, she's quite amazing. She was the, she's the godmother of poetry in this, uh, in, in Lawrence, spoken word. And yeah. uh, kind of 
the street poetry, you might say, here in town, at least as far as I know. I mean, obviously, there was well, Sarah uh, Glass, Misconception, years. right? She hosted at the Jazz House. Uh, Megan before. started that. Before Sarah? Before Sarah, yes. Okay. Megan started Fresh Ink back in 2001. I didn't know this. Yeah. So Megan started, Sarah hosted for a while. Things came back under Megan kind of being the the one who was keeping things going with with poets. That's what I experienced. What I love uh, is yeah, also... Yeah, she, she basically started the Red Tail Reading. Yes, yeah. the Red Tail Collective Readings at Gaslight for a while. Yeah. And then, then I just need to give a shout out. Jim McCrary told me about this. So back in the day, and it was actually only in the 90s, the first poetry slams in Lawrence, Kansas were at strip club oh. <laughs> around the stripper poles with, as Jim said, all the chairs were on wheels and we didn't want to think about that. <laughs> and one of the people who was part of that scene is a pretty well-known uh, poet nationally, Taylor Molly. Taylor was getting his master's degree at K-State University, all places, and, and got pulled into the Lawrence poetry scene. So his first public readings were at the strip club. It looked oh, yeah. <laughs> He and I have communicated about. <laughs> I, and knew that I knew that the bird is historic, but uh, this really adds another layer. Yeah, that's wonderful. So shout out to Jim McCray for sharing that bit of information. It's important. We need to know these things. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we got to bring poetry back over there too. <laughs> well, we got to make that happen. Yeah, this uh, one time, the difference is that they used to not serve alcohol on Sundays, they were closed. So it was this venue that wasn't being used. But then when they started um, doing stuff, and now it's under different ownership than it was for the very long time. But anyway, mm-hmm. so it's important. It's, and, and now, like, Megan Kaminsky and Jim McCurry host the Readings Tapering Poetry Series, yeah. um, which happen once a month usually. Macy Webb has been doing some things at Purple Edward Lawrence. Of course, there's lots going on with the Raven Bookstore and lots of collaborations with Raven Bookstore and the Commons at KU and, and Lawrence Public Library. We had a lot more big things going on, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool that stuff. Pretty excellent. But there was there was that Red Tail Collective. Mark Hennessy was it was part of that at times. Yeah, yeah they come through. And there was there was a uh, not dozens, not hundreds of others yeah. who. But uh, it come through on a semi-regular basis yeah. and uh, join in and uh, um, speak their minds yeah. on stage. It's quite it's quite wonderful. Yeah. Um, and that's the sort of thing that uh, you know. I hope that every city can essentially yeah. have every town. My, many uh, of them, not just one. Topeka. I don't know whether you ever go into Topeka for speakeasies. Um, their open mic is on it's Wednesdays. It's been some while. First Wednesdays, yeah. yeah. I've been I've been busy with other things lately. Yeah. Um, getting this book done. Yeah. And it's a big uh, um, and essentially advancing my piano playing lately uh, has been has been the primary uh, artistic priorities I'm working on. Besides that, I've had uh, personal and professional um, uh, work that I've been uh, pursuing. Those are good things. Personal yes. to fuel the soul and professional to pay bills. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Very true. Very true. Yeah, you got to have that. You got to have that these days. We haven't quite gotten to the level where uh, um, we can we can all exist and trust each other uh, with uh, <laughs> with 
the fruits of each other's efforts yeah. and in a uh, wholesome manner. But uh, honestly, I think Matthew we'll get there. J. Asbury, we forgot to mention Matthew Red Hill. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't want to leave people out. I thought of Matthew when you said that because I remember conversations with Matthew. Both of us kind of struggled with this money thing. Me for my social work, him for his art at that time. It's like you want it to get where it's needed. Yeah, you need some money, but you don't want money to be a barrier. And honestly, money isn't the motivator, you know, for, yeah. for good art or my it's not. Really good, Which good social work. Good now honestly, it makes it, makes it uh, more of a, uh, a pure art form yeah. in that case. It's not. And at the same time, everybody has bills to pay. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, we still nonetheless exist in this uh, system where that's yeah. required. Yeah. And, um, it doesn't seem that that exactly is going to change uh, <laughs> immediately or anything. I don't, I don't see it happening immediately, except in some uh, perhaps uh, violent upheaval, um, or not necessarily violent. You know, the the the, uh, uh, the quite hopeful and perhaps naive uh, idea that uh, we'll reach that level of consciousness and all of a sudden we'll just change uh, and uh, all collectively improve our society. Possibility, you know. It's also a possibility. Meter could fall out of the, fall out of the sky right now and hit the you know intersection or something. Similar manner. But. So let's do the work to bring the goodness back, more yes. goodness, more public goodness. Yeah. That becoming the standard of, of what people are expecting. I've learned to enjoy the enjoy the process of doing that and knowing that it is a step by step yeah. thing, yeah. and it's a very slow slow process yeah. to get to that to, yeah. to get to that level. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are other processes that are moving very fast, especially on the on the systemic level, on the yeah. highest on the highest orders of uh, uh, in our in our country and in our world. But, the dumpster uh, fire hasn't burned out yet. No, it's, it's surprisingly still burning. Yeah, and uh, it's going to keep doing that until uh, until it really hits it really hits a, a point where people fed up. Um, and if that even if that even can happen, because to be quite honest, it seems to me. Most of the population has been uh, uh, drugged into submission, um, and uh, one of the things that I was trying to um, uh, express earlier was that uh, a lot of the introspective introspection that we do as artists that we blame ourselves, and uh, you know, so many of them are ashamed. Go to a go to a, uh, an open mic, and often enough, you hear a lot of negative people looking at themselves negatively. They're blaming themselves for the problems that they're having in their life. Now, to a certain extent, they can be true, but uh, I would like to encourage a lot of artists out there and, uh, and poets that, uh, that there are um, excessively strong external factors that are putting pressure and causing that. Really, the way I see it is that uh, in our modern society, uh, the only proper response to what's going on is depression and anxiety. <laughs> yeah. It really is. And uh um and if you're if you're fortunate enough that that's not the case, then uh, it's a bit more of an outlier than otherwise. Um it's uh uh you know, they, they call these things abnormalities, but uh, it seems to me that they are they are normalities and a um uh, and a proper reaction to the world that, that's being presented to us. Um and uh you know, I encourage all those artists out there to give themselves a break. You know, put the credit where it's due, put the blame where it's due. You know, <laughs> and uh, um, you know, send your uh, send your send your emotions often enough. Uh, be willing to put it out 
as opposed to taking it all in. Good point. You know? Yeah, because what we want is we want to be part of the change, right? We want to be mm -hmm. able to do the good things, and to do that, we've got to fuel ourselves, not torture ourselves. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, the tortured artist is a great tradition of that, but uh, yeah. so, um, no need. You know, it's not a necessity. Right. You know? Uh, and uh, and these days uh, we could really use we could really use some uh, some outward uh, pressure as opposed to inward days because I've seen too many amazing artists uh, just beat themselves up constantly yeah. these days and, and I I notice that the sensation that um, that they're putting out there it, it seems like there are there are these other things that are causing them and um, it's we try to find and identify what it is within us that prevents that, the, the, the satisfaction of the actualization of the manifestation of what it is that, that, uh, that we want to we want to put out there. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, and we blame ourselves most of the time. We do. Um, and instead of blame, we need to look at, okay, but, and what can I do now? What can I do now yeah. to help? We are at the wrap-up point. We want to make sure that people know that you have this book that will be available soon, not just yet, but soon, The Fire and Light to Me. And Fire and Light to Me, yes. not and. and. Well, you can Tufty. pronounce it that way, too. Yeah. Garrett <laughs> Tufty, Garrett with one T, Tufty, T-U-F-T-E. Look for Tufty Variation on the uh, Internet. Yeah, on the Internet. You can go to my website, www com, and you can find a, a synopsis of the book. You can order a copy. You can go to Amazon and buy it from no, these mysterious sellers. No. I mean, I'm saying it's possible. <laughs> that's all. I don't want to encourage it, which which actually was a strange thing for me because I, I was like, okay, let's click on the link and check this out. And there's like seven or eight different companies that are selling new copies of my book. And I'm like, How is that possible? Right. Where are they getting these? Right. You know, they didn't get it from me. Yeah. You know, it's a weird, wild world out there. It is. Yeah. Virtual so, insanity. So get out <laughs> get out into your community. Go to experience art, make art, share art, support local businesses, buy books, things that help the world be a better place. Do that goodness. Smile at somebody. Yeah. Feed your soul. Yeah. And somebody else's sometimes. That's right. It, yeah. We cook some. Yeah. Yes. So I want to thank Daniel Smith, who does the technology that lets people listen to these words. Thank you, Daniel. We're going on almost five years. We're going to hit five years on December 26th. Five years. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Daniel. I'm happy for you. Thank you, so. Garrett Tufty. Thank you to all the poets and other artists who've been part of this show, but in particular, those artists who've been part of the Red Tail Collective. We're thinking about you today, including the Jessica Elise and her partner, Macy Webb. Yes. 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 So long, listeners. Keep listening. More good stuff will be coming. And if you're in the Kansas City area, October 12th to 14th, Fountain Verse. Fountain Verse. Fountain Verse.